Hi, my name is Queen Zoya Counts, and I would like to welcome you to my podcast, Evil Lives Amongst Us, African American True Crime. Yes, I love true crime stories, but very seldom do I hear true crime stories about African Americans. So I created this podcast to share with my listeners about the true crimes that African Americans commit. So sit back, lend me your ears, and listen to some of the most horrendous crimes committed by African Americans. Hi, my name is Queen Zoya Counts, and today on Evil Lives Amongst Us, True Crimes of African American, I want to talk about the Jacksonville Strangler. I lived in North Carolina, which was maybe about six or seven hours from Jacksonville, Florida. And every time I have traveled through Florida, whether with my um, um, with my husband or with my friends, and we go through Jacksonville, I always say that Jacksonville is such a beautiful city, especially since it's sitting, you know, practically right there on the coast. And I've always loved that city. But I have never heard of the Jacksonville Strangler. The Jacksonville Strangler whose born name was Paul Durosu. He was born in Beaumont, Texas. His parents was never married. He had an older brother who had moved to L.A. And, you know, his brother was raised by their mothers and her family. In 1989, when Paul was 19 years old, he became a security guard after graduating from the high school. In 1991, when he was 21, he was arrested for carrying a concealed weapon, and then they only gave him three years probation. Then in 1992, he was arrested again in California on the same charge. Then in 1992, when he was 22 years old, he enlisted in the Army. Rather than marrying a woman that he got pregnant, he went into the army and then he was stationed in Germany. So I'm trying to understand, you know, you know, he had these two arrest warrants. Maybe they got cleared up. He was arrested, but they still allowed him to enlist in the army. He had got a woman pregnant and he was like, I ain't going to marry you. And he went in the army and they moved him and stationed him in Germany. In 1995, while he was in Germany, he married a woman named Nakota Spann and she was a soldier that he had met where he was stationed at. In 1996 when he was 26 years old he re-enlisted in the army and then he was stationed in Fort Benning, Georgia. In 1997 when he was still 26 they said that a woman was kidnapped and raped in Columbus, Georgia of June And then he was arrested and he was charged with the kidnapping and the rape of this woman. But his charges were acquitted 
and he was court-martialed. September of 1997, he was still 27. Tracy Habersham, Fort Benning, Georgia. She went missing after dancing with him at a nightclub. Her body was found two days later, and he was later charged in her slaying. During that same month of September, his wife gave birth to his second daughter. Then in November, he started beating on her. So she decided, I'm taking my daughters and I'm moving to Jacksonville, Florida. And he followed her to Florida. In 1999, he was discharged from the Army for buying computer equipment that was stolen from the military base. So he had a dishonorable discharge. In April of 1999, he was arrested for molesting a 15-year-old girl in Jacksonville, but charges were not filed. Then the following month, he was arrested in Jacksonville for trespassing and spent two days in jail. In July of 1999, Teresa Mack was found dead in her apartment. There were no signs of rape and robbery. Her mother would eventually, her murder would be eventually tied to DeRosu. DeRosu's wife asked police to give her a domestic violence restraining order because he's still beating on her. He followed her to Jacksonville, Florida. She took him back and he's still beating on her. August of 1999, she got her restraining order. But still, in March of 2001, he assaulted her again. So he just could not leave her alone. In June of 01, when he was 30, a Jacksonville woman was raped in her home. Paul was arrested and spent 30 days in jail. He received two years probation in a deal that also kept his DNA out of the police database. So he gets a deal for two years probation, but also in that deal, his DNA cannot be inside of the police database. In August of 2001, he worked most of the month. He decided to drive school buses. Wow, this is crazy. They didn't do no background checks back then. In 01, when he was 31, he was arrested for domestic battery again, and he spent 48 days days in jail. He was released from jail because his wife dropped the charges. In April of 2002, he was arrested for burglary, and he was acquitted again. On my birthday, another incident happened again on my birthday. December 17, 2002, when he was 32 years old, Nicole Williams, 18 years old, was reported missing by her family. Her body was found two days later on Sattel Drive. Then on December 29th, Nakia Kilpatrick, 19, last heard from by family. Her body was found in her apartment on January 1st. 
Then in January of 2003, he worked as a cab driver. And during that time, his wife left him. So January 10th, he goes out and kills Shawanda McAllister, who was found in her apartment. January 20th, Giovanna Jefferson was reported missing by her family. January 30th, Sarita Cohen, 19, was reported missing by her family. So what he do, get mad because his wife finally left him inside to go out and just murder these three women, kill these women. February 5th, 2003, Jefferson's and Cohen's body were both found dumped in the ditch on New King's Road. February 6th, he was arrested for dealing in stolen property, which was a violation of his probation from his prior rape charge. He wasn't arrested for the, for the murders yet. February the 11th, he was arrested by the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office and charged with five counts of murder and two counts of child abuse. June 20th, the grand jury indicts a suspected serial killer for six murders. 2004, the judge orders a psychological evaluation of Paul. And in June 25th of 2005, DeRoso tells police that he was beaten by several inmates at the Duval County Jail. He had been involved in several fights over the past two years. So let's check him out. Let's see if Paul fits the profile of a serial killer. He was born on August 11, 1970 in Texas. He was the second of two children. He had a half-brother. He was raised by both parents during his early childhood and his mother and her family in California later. He was the youngest. They were His parents was unwed. And then they separated when he was a child because his father got caught cheating. And then they moved to California. He never had any problems in school. He was never teased. He was never bullied. He had no physical defects. He had no um, speech defects. And people say that he was very, very physically attractive. He graduated from high school, completed all 12, you know, 12, did his little thing. He went into the military and everything. You know, he enlisted. I guess he was trying to better himself. He was stationed in Germany. He got a dishonorable discharge. He never saw combat duty. He never killed anybody during the service. He never applied for a job as a cop. The only type of job that he had in law enforcement, he was a security guard. But then when he got got discharged from the military, he became a bus driver, a cab driver. And as a cab driver, this is how he found his victims. He did go to seek counseling and this was after his rape charge. But he was supposed to have 15 appointments and out of the 15 appointments 
only went to six. He spent time in jail. He was convicted of previous crimes. He had charges against him. But check this out. Germany also say that they suspected. They didn't have um, proof. But they suspected that he had also killed young women in Germany. So while he was stationed in Germany, the, sus the suspicion was that they found several women dead around the same age of the women that they found in the United States in Florida. And they said that, you know, he knew those women, but they did not have proof that he killed them. So he was suspected of killing these young women. So they're saying that the women were African-American between the ages of 18 and 20, and he strangled them with a cord. That's why he was known as the Jacksonville Strangler. And they said the type of serial killer he was was due to disorganized lust. He picked his women up in his cab. It did not, he didn't kill them in his home, but he killed them in their home. And they found cords at the scene, so he used different cords. Anything that he took of them was jewelry. He really didn't have no viable plan of how he disposed their bodies. He would leave two here, throw three there, you know, even buried one at a construction site. And they say as of right now, he is currently being held at the Jacksonville Sheriff's Office. But now he's in prison. So when we go back and we look at some of his lifestyles, like some of the other serial killers, he was not abused. He was not picked on. He graduated from high school. He was, you know, he was a handsome person. He spoke well. He went into the military. But... He took out his undisorganized lust on killing young women. And it started in Germany and it came over into the United States. So, you know, he got married. Natoka, she married him. They had two daughters. And during the time that he was married, while he was married, he was committing his murders. Because remember, he met her in Germany. He kept struggling. They would fight over not having enough money. What he would do, get mad. They fighting over not having enough money. Then he'd get mad, beat her ass, and then go out and kill these women. Because he would get angry. He got mad with her because she wanted a divorce. And he followed her. He beat her up. Spent 48 days in jail. She dropped the charges. He got out. Now, can you imagine if she had not dropped the charges? Can you imagine if these women's lives could have been saved? If he would have stayed in jail longer for domestic violence? But she didn't know that he was a killer. So she dropped the charges. His neighbors and friends, they described him as being a womanizer. Because he would ask these young women, did they want to make porn movies with him? And he would try to seduce these girls as young as 13 years of age. 
because I guess he figured they didn't know any better and I guess he figured since he thought he was all that fine that he could convince these women oh yeah I want to make a porn movie would you want to make some flicks with me and he was just crazy he moved around a lot he moved around a lot but he had a record of just simple burglary and then rape but he was let go he was let go he began to have all of these legal problems charges of kidnapping raping a young woman one woman was found dead so he just kept going on and on and on 1997 they thought the year was going to be successful but she left and went back to Jacksonville and he followed her and when they got there she took him back And they had another baby. So she still was sleeping with him. She still was giving it to him, even though he was abusing her. And and that's why I say, you know, sometimes when um, someone is being abused, it's really hard to just get up and leave. And she never left. She didn't leave. Well, she did leave, but she didn't. She should have left when it first started, kept the charges. And I feel that um, some of these women would have been saved because he would beat her I mean he would grab her around the neck he would choke her slap her around and they would always fight over money and the violence just kept going on and going on and going on and going on he didn't think about no he, he didn't care about no damn protection order you know he didn't care about that he was determined to keep his wife by any means necessary the last time he assaulted her he put his hands around her neck and told her I will kill you and that was when another injunction was sought and friends felt sorry for her because she was a nice person she worked and went to school but The crazy love that she had for him, she couldn't leave him. August of 2001, he was arrested for physically abusing his wife again. And he spent a whole month in jail. His police record were steady getting bigger. Domestic violence, rape, assault. So then he got the perfect job to get his victims. He became a cab driver. And he would become acquainted with these women. Including the two women that he murdered, Cohen and Jefferson. But at the time of their murders, they started looking at him as a leading suspect in the investigation due to his outstanding police record and clues that was linking him to other victims. But the most important clue came from Giovanna's mother. According to a First Coast news article dated June 18, 2003, Giovanna was last seen getting into a cab driven by a man referred to as D. When Giovanna failed to return home, her aunt called her cell phone, which was answered by the cab driver. He answered the phone. And the man told her aunt that he would return Giovanna soon. Yet she never made it back home. 
The mama was worried now, so she went to the cab company to inquire about the man named D, who had driven her daughter to her disappearance. They quickly learned the driver was Paul. The clue was so important, but according to the Jacksonville Sheriff, Nat Glover, there was still not enough evidence to charge him. This motherfucker here. All around the same time, the, the marriage was falling apart. And after eight and a half years, she finally left him. And she moved to another house in Jacksonville. He continued to live at the other house. But he still was spending, she was still letting him come to the new house. So he was still spending time. At the new house. But on February 6, 2003, while he was over there visiting his wife and his children, the police arrested him. Initially, he was not charged in any of the murders, though he was considered a key suspect. Instead, he was arrested for violation of his probation for the 2001 rape case. While incarcerated in the Duval County Jail, they continued to investigate him. And then they start calling him the killer caddy. <laughs> so an author named Rachel Bell wrote an article about him, A Deadly's New Year. Around 10.30 p.m. on January 1st, 2003, family members of 19-year-old Nakia Chanel Kirkpatrick went to her Spanish Oaks apartment in Jacksonville, Florida to check up on her. No one in the family had heard from her for several days, which was unusual considering it was, Chris it was Christmas around New Year's, everything, everybody was celebrating. But when some of the family members arrived at the house, they were surprised and worried to see her two-year-old son banging on the window as if pleading for help. When they entered the apartment, it smelled so bad that they knew something was wrong. And she was nowhere in sight. But as they walked through the apartment, they found Nakia's 11-month-old son crawling on the floor. Then they discovered her decomposing body lying in the other bedroom. She had been bound and strangled to death with a cord. The police immediately were called to the scene. Investigators conducted an extensive search of the house and its surroundings. Soon afterwards, her body was removed and taken to the coroner's. The medical investigation later revealed evidence pointing to Nakia having been sexually assaulted and murdered up to 48 hours before the discovery of her body. Further examination of the body revealed that she had been six months pregnant at the time of her death. Although Nakia's two small children were unharmed, they suffered from malnutrition as well as the trauma of being confined with their mother's corpse. According to the First Coast News, the boys managed to survive by eating dry food from the kitchen. They were then given to Nakia's family to be taken care of. 
Investigators were able to collect a vital physical evidence from the murder scene, yet the evidence did not lead to the identity of the murderer. Police were confident that the murder was not the killer's first because some aspects of the crime appeared to be a little bit too organized. It was further speculated that Nakia would not be his last victim. They couldn't have been more accurate. Within the approximately of one month, three more bodies were discovered that would be attributed to the same killer. Three other murders, including that of another unborn child, would later be added to the list, totaling eight known victims. It quickly became clear that Jackson Field had a terrifying serial killer on its hands. 22-year-old Shawanda Denise McAllister was an independent and hard-working girl. She was determined to have such a successful, happy life. She worked as a, cert- as a certified nursing assistant and attended school in the hopes of one day climbing the ladder within the medical field. However, all of her dreams were cut short because, of course, she needed a ride. And guess who she got that came to pick her up in the cab? Paul DeRosa. On January 10th, she had been found strangled to death with a cord in her Jacksonville apartment on Arco Drive. In many ways, her death bore marked similarities to Nakia's murder. Like Nakia, there was evidence of a sexual assault and both victims had been bound in the same similar manner. Also like Nakia, she had been pregnant at the time of her death. And they said, hmm, it's the same man that killed both of them. Investigators also linked another previous murder to that of Shawanda and Nakia. On December 19, 2002, police discovered the remains of 18-year-old Nicole Williams. According to the U.S. Times staff writer Veronica Chapman, Williams had been found wrapped in a light blue blanket in a ditch on Sutel Drive in Jacksonville. It was suggested that she was murdered in the local Jacksonville Hotel. Nicole had been bound and strangled just like Shawanda and Nakia, and there was also evidence of sexual assault. Moreover, investigators revealed that DNA taken from the unknown assailant matched samples taken from all three victims. DNA. Now remember, he took that plea that his DNA would not be held up in fouls. Then they begin to doubt that the same killer was responsible for the deaths of the three women. They had no doubt. I'm sorry. They had no doubt. And so Nicole had been bound and strangled just like the other ones. On February 5, 2003, a construction crew cleaning out a vacant lot on New Kings Road in Jacksonville made a gruesome discovery. They found the remains of 17-year-old Javana Tyrika Jefferson in a ditch. She had been missing since January 20th. Remember I told you Javana, they were looking for Javana and they couldn't find her? her he had buried her 
in a construction site. The police were immediately called to the scene. Shortly after their arrival, they discovered the remains of another young woman six feet from where Giovanna's body had been found. And the young woman was later identified as 19-year-old mother of two, Sharita Ann Cohan, who had been, mi- been missing since February 4th. Ron Word of the Associated Press reported that evidence suggested that the girls' hands had been bound behind their backs. They had been raped prior to their deaths. However, one of the most vital clues of the investigation was revealed when witnesses said that they saw these women with a cab driver prior to their disappearance. So, you know, to chronicalize his murders, he was acquitted for rape charges. The nude body of 26-year-old Tracy was found on September 7, 1997 in Fort Benning. She had been missing for 48 hours, but Paul was not a suspect in the murder, but DNA would later, t- later tie him to the crime. He also would confess to killing her after his arrest. In 1999, he raped and killed 24-year-old Teresa Mack in her apartment witnesses saw him leave her place with the television they saw him leave in 2001 he was arrested for raping a young woman in jacksonville he spent 30 days in jail and received two years probation on december 19th 18 year old nicole williams body was found wrapped in a blue blanket at the bottom of a ditch in jacksonville 2001 1997 1999 2001 2002 2003 he killed they found her body in the bedroom of her apartment she had been raped and strangled with her two sons still there January 9th of the same year the same month 20 year old nursing assistant Shawanda who was pregnant, was raped and strangled in her apartment. Same month, few days after. What, eight days later? And then the next two victims, 17-year-old Giovanna and 19-year-old Sarita, found in a ditch at a construction site. On February the 5th, Police estimated that Jefferson probably was murdered around January 20th, 10 days later, after he killed Nakia. He was arrested on June 17th of 2003 on five counts of murder. On December 13th, 2007, he was sentenced to die by lethal injection for the murder of Tyresa Mack. And as of March of 2010, he was still a resident on Florida's death row. No execution date had been set. Mm-mm-mm-mm. He was conscious and he was aware of what he was doing. No one knows what his motive was, why he killed these women. You know, Maybe this was something that he just got a kick out of, using his, his handsomeness to seduce these women as a cab driver. And they were young women, 18, 17, 19, 20. 
because at that time I am a woman when we're that age we're very impressionable it doesn't take a lot to impress us it doesn't take a lot especially when you see someone that's got the gift for the gab and this is what happened to these women but I still say that if the wife had never dropped the charges and he would have went to jail and got the time for constantly beating on her maybe some of these women's lives would have been saved maybe maybe he was convicted in June of first degree murder in the 1999 strangulation of Teresa Mack in her apartment a jury recommended the death penalty and a circuit judge Jack Schemer is scheduled to sentence him on December 13th Jacksonville judges usually follow jury recommendations in death penalty cases he was this former Gator City cab driver. He was charged with murdering five other women in Jacksonville between December 2002 and February 2003. But the prosecutors dropped those cases after meeting with the remaining victims' family and their lawyers. All but one agreed with the decision. They used the evidence from two of those cases in the Matt case. If a jury acquitted him in one of those cases, it could imperil his conviction in the Matt case. Evidence from Mac's murder could be used against him in the other murder cases. But if his conviction in Mac's case was overturned and unappealed, it could threaten the other cases, according to an internal statement obtained from the state attorney's office. The assistant state attorney, Matt Havener, said the decision expedites the appeal process and Paul's sentence will allow Georgia authorities to try him while the Florida appeals are pending. So he killed two he killed people in two different states, so now they're going back and forth because, of course, states have different laws. Cynthia Davis, the mother of slaying victim Sarita, reacted angrily when asked, about the state attorney's decision, but other victims understood the decision, said Taylor, the attorney whose firm represented three of the families in a lawsuit against Gator City. So the other families say, "You know what? We're going to sue the we're going to sue the cab company." Paul had a public defender who said that prosecutors also may have had financial concerns about prosecuting him five more times. The cases against him rely heavily on complicated DNA evidence, and the Mac case took three years to get to trial. Basically, what they said is they don't want to spend no more money or time if the death penalty holds up. Since everybody these days, including the state, has limited money, it makes sense not to use up all that money on one case. His office spent $200,000 defending him. Heavener didn't have a comparable estimate. You see how this you see how this plays out all about money. So they just since he was already charged with that one case and they were giving him the death penalty and he was already connected to the other murders. They didn't want to charge him for all the other murders because they said it would take up too much money, too too much of the taxpayer dollars. And since he was already going to get the death penalty anyway, they was just going to charge him with the one. See how they did that? So, you know, they disregarded the other charges. 
The jury gave him a guilty verdict in 1999 after 10 hours of deliberations. The day before the trial even went to, to the jury, Paul took the stand on his own defense and he admitted to having sex with three of the women before their deaths and said he wasn't the one who killed them though. This motherfucker. He said that he met them and for three months he saw them all the time. He said that when he did see her the day that she was killed, he admitted that when he found out about her death, he didn't call the police. He told the court he heard she had been shot and he didn't contact the police because he didn't have any information to give them. And she was a lie when he left. He just lied. He just lied to the detectives. He just lied. He just lied. He just lied. They found fibers from the blanket. They had all of this incriminating evidence that leaked, leaked him to all of these murders. But finally, on June 17, 2003, he was charged with five counts of first-degree murder in the deaths of Nakia Kilpatrick, Shawanda McAllister, Nicole Williams, Sarita Cohan, and Giovanna Jefferson. He also faced two more counts of child abuse against Nakia's two small children who were left alone in the apartment for up to two days with the decomposing remains of their mother. Shortly after his arrest, Paul was linked to yet another murder in Columbus, Georgia that took place several years earlier when he was at Fort Benning in September of 1997. And a man who was walking her dog, walking his dog, found her nude body in the ditch. And this murder case remained unsolved for years until after his arrest. Now, listen to this. Tallahassee, Florida, the death penalty for Paul DeRusso. 46, he's 46 years old now, has been thrown out by the Florida Supreme Court. DeRosso was a taxi driver. He was convicted. He was sentenced in 2007. He was charged with these murders. Two of the women were pregnant. German authorities even suspect he may have killed several local women when he was stationed there with the army in the early 1990s. He even killed a woman in Fort Benning before he was dishonorably discharged for stealing and buying a stolen computer. But Tuesday's decision cited a January 2016 U.S. Supreme Court ruling in a case known as Hearst v. Florida saying DeRoso's death sentence was imposed under an unconstitutional capital sentencing stature. The trial jury split on the death sentence was 10 to 2, and the state Supreme Court threw out the death sentence since the jury was unanimous. So now, as far as I know, he is serving life. This motherfucker is serving life for killing these young women. He knew what he was doing. He killed multiple 
women. He didn't just kill one by accident. He seduced them. He raped them. He strangled them. They had all of these charges brought up against him. They arrested him for burglary. He beat his wife. And he's still alive. Hmm. Crazy. Crazy. The Jacksonville Strangler. Paul DeRosso. Killed multiple women. And they threw out the death penalty. This is crazy. Y'all be careful when y'all getting in these Uber rides and calling these people. I'm telling y'all, these people, I'm telling you, he he did not come from, he did not have a bad background growing up, but he committed these murders. I'm telling you, these people are fucking crazy out here in this world. Just because somebody look good and they smile, you don't know what's going on with them. You don't know what type of secrets they hiding. And he out here seducing these young women. And, and... I feel like justice was not served. Justice was not served. And I really hope that these women are haunting his ass while he is in jail. Two of them was fucking pregnant. Two children running around the house. Malnutrition. Maybe trying to wake their mama up. And their mama laying there. Dead. Body decomposed. And this motherfucker walks. And skips the death penalty. He didn't. He got arrested. But he should have got murdered. Because he took the lives of these innocent women. Hmm. My name is Queen Zoya Counts. I would like to thank you for listening to my podcast. Evil Lives Amongst Us. True Crime African Americans. Don't be so trusting, y'all. Peace.